Entrepreneur Weekly interviews the brilliant leaders of today in order to provide a stepping stone of wisdom on the journey to personal business ownership. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. A very, very, very special day for me. I hope you uh, stay with us for the whole hour, because if you do, you will walk away with a lot of gold. And I'm not talking about the metal. I'm talking about wisdom. I'm talking about knowledge. And then, of course, opportunity. When it knocks, you'll be ready. And the reason why I say that is because today's guest is Marcus Lemonis. You've probably seen him on CNBC's The Prophet. And he's got a brand new TV show coming out, which is called The Renovator. It's going to be on HGTV in the beginning of uh, 2022. But Marcus Limonis is a man. I don't say this very often, Marcus. Welcome to the show. I don't say this very often. I love you. I love you. Well, I'm just curious why people can't actually get gold from you, like the actual metal. Is it? Is there a budget cut or something that prevents them from getting actual gold? No, no, they can't get it through the really, radio. That's what I told you were gonna. I was told you were gonna give me gold, and now I'm finding out that the no. gold that you tell everybody about isn't actually real. No, it is real. I'll tell you why. Because the first thing, if you go to marcuslimonis.com, it says, and is a picture of marcus's handsome mug it says i want to be your bridge to knowledge and opportunity not only in business but in life and i went yes that's what i have always wanted to be listen you are my mentor and you didn't even know it i watch you on tv i bring my kids in i go you've got to watch this show called the prophet i am so sad that the last episode just aired last month And I'm like, what? But now, see, the thing is, comes the next phase of Marcus Limonis. You guys have got to look at who knows? I mean, listen, who knows? The prophet could be back. We don't know for sure. It's just sort of like uh, something that I really have to work through in my brain because I have a day job. But, um, you know, it's nine, almost nine years. I know. And, uh, you know, once in a while, you got to just take a break to sort of collect your thoughts. Yeah. And filter through all the stuff that that was good and the stuff that wasn't so good. So you got to work through it. Well, you have so much going on. I I believe that people think that, you know, you're just a a TV personality. Of course, you have to be a successful (laughs) entrepreneur as well. But you are, I don't even know how to describe you to my friends. You and I were together about... uh, Oh, we've been together a few times, but I think it was about five or six years ago when I did the one interview with you on camera. It was probably a half an hour long or so, and you kind of poured your soul out. And then, you know, I started watching your show more intently because after you know somebody, you're like, all right, I'm going to watch. And I, I, I enjoyed the show thoroughly, but once I got to know you and realized that you are a man on a journey, like all men and women are on the journey called life. And we get caught up in business sometimes and we forget to live, you know? Well, you know, the interesting thing about that, this journey of life, I've realized over the years that that journey really is a lot of twists and turns. And it's probably more twists and turns for me as I got older and became more mature and learned more and experienced more good and bad things that we change. And even as I go back and I watch old episodes to more recent episodes of The Prophet, I see a change in my logic. I see a change in my approach. I see a change in the way I look. I see a change really with everything. And I think it's important to recognize that every single one of us, whether we're entrepreneurs or not, 
every single one of us goes through an evolution, sometimes a revolution internally, but goes through some sort of evolution. And the, the lack of acknowledgement of that change, I think, is what usually gets people in trouble. And I look at companies like Circuit City, and that's a, maybe a bad example, but when their business didn't evolve, it probably was because the people that were running it didn't evolve. And I think that was my biggest lesson learned over the last eight years and working with businesses, both the ones I own and the ones that I work with, is that the lack of change inside of us, whether it's a philosophical change or an emotional change or a physical change, the lack of change really leads us to a to sort of a dead-end street. Love it. And right. um, I think early on in the show and early on in my business career, I I felt like I needed to be consistently the same, and I would make a lot of mistakes because of that, because life changed, facts changed, technology changed, the world changed, and I didn't find myself changing as rapidly as those things did, and I would either lose out on something uh, or I would uh, make a terrible mistake because the information changed and I didn't. Yep. All right, hold tight. We're going to take a break. You guys are listening to Marcus Limonis. You've seen him for the last, gosh, I don't know, eight, nine years as host of CNBC's The Prophet. Um, he's shifting gears. He's got a new show coming out called The Renovator, which airs on HGTV in 2022. And we're going to find out about how's Marcus Limonis dealing with this pandemic. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Entrepreneur Weekly? Check out our podcast on iTunes for even more content. Subscribe today. to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Oh my gosh. One of my personal favorite human beings on earth is on the show today, Marcus Lemonis. Love this guy. You guys have got to check out his website, Marcus Lemonis. It's like lemon with an I-S, L-E-M-O-N-I-S, MarcusLemonis.com. The best, by the way, the best website unbelievable so good so much information i loved also finding the uh, video of you just answering random crazy funny silly and some very serious questions so we don't need to go through all that here because it's all at your website i'm going to send everyone to marcuslimonis.com because you can find anything you want a powerhouse of information marcus great job to whoever helped you do that and free and free fantastic. Yeah. That was an important thing. I know a lot of people have uh, talked about the website and when we built this learning center, I did it out of my foundation largely because I know that there's this lack of available free educational tools out there. And so often you go to seminars and you got to pay $399 or you have to buy a class online and you got to all these pay gates that you got to get through and you know, I've been very blessed to have a successful business in the camping world. It's allowed me to do a lot yeah. uh, for other people and for myself. And I've spent, I think, about $2 million building that site with content Ooh. and contributors and videos. And yeah. we'll continue to build it out because I don't think anybody should have to pay to learn something. I am with you. 
I am with you. And sadly, in this world today, everything we learn is missing an element of service. You know? I mean, it's like if you give, if you give somebody, like what what is the old saying? Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. What's the rest of it? Teach him how to fish and he can eat for a lifetime. There you go. I knew you'd know it. (laughs) I gambled, but I knew you'd know it. (laughs) I could be off by a little bit, but the concept is the same, right? The concept's the same. No, you were absolutely right. Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. And that's what we're doing here on this show. Radio is free. And that's what's beautiful about it is, you know, there's paywalls. Of course, it costs money to do this even. But the sponsors pay for it. Thank God for the sponsors. They want to help enable us to do what we do, you and I both. And Entrepreneur Magazine, there's lots of free information at entrepreneur.com. But I got to tell you, I look at a lot of websites, and yours was just beautiful. MarcusLimonis.com. And I don't work with Marcus. I want to. But I just think this needs to be told to the world. And I would love to work with you any way I could to help support you in this way without being paid just to help humanity. Because I think that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help our brothers and sisters to, you know, like you said here, I want to be your bridge to knowledge and opportunity, not only in business, but in life. And I went, boom, beautiful. And if more people could do this, our world would be a better place. I worked with a guy on the radio, Marcus, one time. And one day he says to me, I'm sick and tired of giving away my knowledge for free. And I said, you know what? That's what we do. We're in radio. We need to teach people. And then they're going to come to you, and money will come to you. It comes because you're doing the right thing. What do you think? Well, but isn't there a fatal flaw there? This idea that people don't want to give their information away for free is a bit flawed because I think the thing that I – it took me a long time to admit this. And it's something that I think as I got older, I'm now I can almost 48. I think as I learn more about myself and I learn more about others, in working with them, I also developed my own character. And so when you say you're going to work for somebody for free, you're going to give information for free, you also take things for free. And when we watch a broadcast, read an article, read Entrepreneur Magazine, go onto a website, go to a lecture, talk to a other business owner, we're learning and we're not paying for it. Right. And so this idea that there's this highway of information and there's a toll booth on it all the time <laughs> is nothing more than a is nothing more than a blockage. Because right. not everybody can can afford to do it. And I know, can, can I know you're from it. Florida and, and you like all of us hate toll booths. Don't go anywhere. We gotta take another break. Marcus Limonis on the show. I have to admit I'm all giddy over here because I love this guy. I love what he does. I love what he stands for. The principles of his life, they all agree with me. He's the tuning fork, and the tune agrees with me. How about you guys? We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. I have uh, Marcus Lemonis today on the show. You've seen him on The Prophet on uh, CNBC for eight seasons. And the last season, the last episode just aired on 928 of 2021. Don't worry, there's a new show, The Renovator, which will air on HGTV in early 2022. 
And uh, Marcus Limonis joins us right now. Thank you so much for being with us. He's going to be with us for this whole hour. He's the CEO of Camping World. I don't know if you guys knew that. You probably do. He's a, he's a personality on television, a fantastic personality. I love that way he just actually that's him that's how he is what you see is what you get he's of course an entrepreneur this is entrepreneur magazine's radio show and so he is to me he's like he wears that crown of entrepreneurship proudly and he's a philanthropist and you can learn everything about him at marcuslimonis.com marcus can we talk a little bit about this pandemic and how how it's affected you and the world and what are you doing to uh make it through it you know, I think there's two different universes where that exists. One, there's the business side, and then obviously there's the personal side. And right. the easier part is probably the personal side, where I learned a lot about myself. I learned, of, you know, what was important to me and what I needed to shed myself of. And, and whether that's businesses that weren't going as well as I thought they should, or people that weren't sort of uh, contributing back in an equal way, I think it tightened up my circle. I think from a business standpoint, I learned a lot about the people that I worked with and what their commitment level was and what their appetite was for risk and what their focus was. And, you know, as we got through the pandemic, I think the one thing that I learned and I hope other people did as well is this absolute necessity to understand how technology can help us in our business at a time where we have, you know, what I would call hurdles. And whether that was offices getting closed down or inventory being caught up in the supply chain, I think everybody got a lot sharper and a lot smarter. I think people realized what they didn't need in their lives from a business standpoint on the expense side. And I think they also realized what they did need on their side from a human capital standpoint. And, you know, we stand here today and we we read the newspapers and we watch TV and we hear about supply chain issues. It should be the word of 2021, supply chain. Everybody has become an expert in everything that's missing is because of the supply chain. But bigger than that is this labor problem that we're dealing with where the world is sort of on full throttle again and every single business that I know is suffering from some labor shortage in some area. And you have to ask yourself, do you have a labor shortage because the way that you compensated and recognize your people before wasn't good enough to hold on to them? Or do you have a labor shortage today because people were given better opportunities somewhere else because they didn't feel recognized or they didn't feel valued? Or the third one, which is what I think most people would say, is that we have a new class of people who decided that working wasn't their thing and staying home and maybe collecting checks was easy. I take strong objection to the third one. It is true that that people collected checks, and it is true that people stayed home. But in some cases, it was for health reasons. In other cases, it was for whatever personal choice they had to make. But as a business owner, rather than focusing on all of those reasons, we need to figure out how we're going to fill that gap and how we're going to prevent it from happening again. And it's a challenge. If you're a restaurant owner today, boy, I mean, it is it is down to less tables, less hours, less days open because you don't have the labor pool. If you're in the retail business, your customer service experience is not as good as it used to be. And I think a lot of businesses are really struggling with how to get through it. It taught us a lot about preparation too and what to be prepared for, which is the inevitable or the unexpected. And I think we learned a lot about how to be more nimble and, um, 
I know a lot of businesses are coming out smarter and stronger than ever before. Yeah. You know, it's funny you talk about restaurants and what have you, and I I share your love for uh, restaurants and, and the hard work that it takes to keep them alive. And I am the only person in my town that started a brand new restaurant in 2020. And everybody was like, what are you doing? What, uh, what, you're crazy. You know, we said, well, what it did was it altered what we were going to do. It altered our plan. Instead of having a restaurant, we turned it into a grab and go, right? I found a little Hawaiian family like you, by the way, you'll see how much influence you have on me. You put your money on people. You said you go to Las Vegas, but you'd rather bet on people than, you know, the gambling tables. And, and I'm the same way. And this little family had a, uh, they had borrowed a food truck and they had a luau and they're, you know, I live in Oregon and here's this little Hawaiian family doing a luau in a parking lot and people came from everywhere to watch this luau and eat their teriyaki chicken and all their fun little things. You know, I don't even remember the names, of all the different Hawaiian foods. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. So I had, I am a plaza. I said, I have an office. I'll convert it into a daggone restaurant for you. And so we started and then the pandemic hit and it's like, all right, we're going to switch it up. I'm going to build a patio outside and we're going to make it a grab and go. They can come in and order or they can, you know, do the phone app and order it, walk in, grab the food, or you can just bring it out and give it to them on the patio. And it was like, you have to keep rolling with the punches. And guess what? The, you know, the city came and cut the ribbon and this place is thriving. I watched people getting in line to buy those people's food. And I said, that's what we need to do. And you know what? We did it. And I have an extended family now, Hawaiians. <laughs> We're going to take a break. MarcusLimonis.com. You can get help. It's all free. If you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for not only business advice and knowledge and opportunity, but a little bit for your life as well, Marcus Lemonis. We'll be right back. Song came and went. Hi, I'm Alan Taylor from Entrepreneur Weekly. Child sexual exploitation is an unimaginable crime that continues to invade our communities and homes. The Maloof Foundation is confronting this crime by providing education, promoting healing, and ensuring justice for survivors. But this cause can't be won alone. Learn how you can join the Maloof Foundation in their efforts to preserve a child's right to freedom, hope, justice, and dignity at MaloofFoundation.org. That's M-A-L-O-U-F Foundation.org. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, Marcus Limonis joining us, um, CEO of Camping World, uh, America's, uh, the nation's largest RV retailer. And uh, just one of the things he's done along the path of his life, his new TV show will be launching in uh, the beginning of 2022 on HGTV. The Renovator. Can we talk about that for a moment? What is your next show? Because it's like, oh, The Prophet, last episode, and then boom, here comes the new one. I'm excited. I can't wait. You know, it's a totally different approach for me. I started really thinking a lot through COVID about how your home is probably the most important business of all. And you have this cash coming in, which is your income, and you have the cash going out, which is your mortgage, your taxes, your maintenance, and food, and all these things. And I really started to study 
where I thought there was a bit of a misstep by people, not understanding how to look at their home like a business. And I don't want to make it a cold process, but I want to make it a realistic process. To me, owning a home is probably one of the most important things that you could accomplish in your life. It's not for everybody, but for those people that do want to do it, it's a huge accomplishment. I remember the first time I bought my house. And ultimately, what I wanted to do is take the principles and the disciplines and the focus that we use in businesses and apply that to the home. And so we have found that there are a plethora of families across this country that have issues inside of their own home, and it could be family issues, money issues, and a variety of things, and use a renovation as the platform to not only change the way their house functions, but change the way they function. And so I'll give you a quick example. I'm dealing with a father-daughter in Jacksonville, Florida, who the father lost his wife of over 30 years of marriage. And it was a couple of years ago, and they're struggling to, you know, make the changes they need to get rid of her stuff. He's in a bit of a rut. And so we're going to work with him to change his mindset around his house, around letting go, but not forgetting, and about moving forward in his life. And when you really think about the profit, it was about businesses, but it was about the people in the business, less about the cupcakes or the cars or whatever it was, and more about the people. And I think when you think about a home, we really wanted to go after the same approach. It's almost like doing the profit at somebody's house. (laughs) I love it. It's brilliant. You know, it's funny. I heard you say on your website, MarcusLimonis.com, there's that uh, that thing where you're just sitting uh, in, probably in your living room and they're filming you, asking you all these silly questions. And one of the things you said that, again, it resonates with me. It's like you're such a tuning fork for people. And I think this, the brand that I represent, you know, with entrepreneur, the entrepreneur spirit is that tuning fork. But for me, with you, you said you want to be a change agent. And I thought, oh my gosh, there it is again. Bing! It's my cousin over in London. His company is called The Change Agency, and his title is Chief Change Agent. Can you talk about that? I mean, not him, about, but that's how similar things can be with that, yeah. you know, the, the tuning fork. It really does resonate, and, and you're hitting so many people's tuning forks right now. But talk about being a change agent. Yeah. What does that mean? You know, part of being a change agent, which is a word that sometimes I think people overuse, but part of being an agent of change is really nothing more than being willing to be vulnerable and expose yourself and say things and do things that aren't popular that you believe will change the way people think about things, the way they do things, or the way society looks at them. And, you know, the last couple of years, I've been beat up pretty hard by individuals who don't like what I say or don't like what I do or didn't like what happened. And it's, you know, it's, it's been hard to not create a Teflon outer shell. Mm. I think my motivation for staying the course and taking the beating is that I ultimately want people to think about things differently. And I'll use an example that may or may not resonate with people, but I, I love my wife very much. I've been married for four years and my wife is older than I am. And, you know, in our society, there are people that look at certain things and judge certain things for certain reasons. And I have always enjoyed both in business and in my personal life, 
doing the opposite of what everybody thinks is supposed to be done. Right. Now, that doesn't mean you're being reckless with money or reckless with business decisions, but when you take a position or you believe in something or you start something or you end something, it usually doesn't always fit well with what people want. And so being a change agent is being willing to take the beating, take the criticism, hold on to your convictions, make sure that people understand what those motivations are, and having them see that life can have different perspectives. And when you're looking in your own business about a process, one of the things that we always hear in business is, well, this is how we always did it, or this is how they've always done it, or this is what we're supposed to do. <laughs> I think you have to be willing to be open-minded about, yep, we've always done it that way, and it's worked. But as information has changed, and technology has changed, and people have changed, and the consumers changed, is there a different way? Is there a better way? And I think that is part of being an agent is, are you willing to take the risk of criticism and the risk of whatever financial peril it may cause you in the short term for what we think is better for society, for our employees, for our customers in the long term? I love that. And I, I just, I want to touch on something. I'm going to ask you the question because I, I hope and I feared to not go too deep here about social media. Because mm -hmm. social media can be so, so cruel. So, and I'm, I'm going to play a song that is lighthearted. My favorite song, my favorite television show ever. The movie was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You, my friend, are Ferris Bueller. <laughs> but, I want to be Ferris Bueller. <laughs> you know you are. I, Here's the I question. Be Bueller. <laughs> Brother, you are. Here's the question. How do you deal with the cruelty that comes across? You called it Teflon. But how do you deal with it on a very personal level? Because it got to hurt. We'll take a break and hear the yeah. answer from Marcus Limonis on the other side. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly, and we're going to now talk with uh, Marcus Limonis about, well, the song, Why Can't We Be Friends? Social media can be so cruel. I don't even know what to think. I, I, I follow Marcus pretty regularly, and, and we haven't talked in, in several years. But uh, like you said, he got married four years ago. Um, I, I've, I've never met your wife, Marcus. Seems like a lovely, lovely lady. I can tell that you adore her. And then, of course, here comes the trolls. And I, I asked Marcus offline, and he says, we can, we can talk about this online, which I respect greatly. I said, who answers all those things? Because most of the time, social media, you hire a social media team. Not Marcus Limonis. There's such cruelty. Now, lots of people heap love onto his, onto his head, but there are also that people that want to heap hot coals onto him, which he talked about. Marcus, when this happens, I mean, listen, I've gotten social media stuff before that makes me want to cry as a grown man because it just seems so cruel and unfair. Can you talk about this for a moment? Yeah, I think, you know, I see it both in, in my businesses and in my personal life. And it's unfortunately, they, they don't discriminate against either one. I really try to operate with a couple of principles. First of all, I, the social media, I manage all myself, which is why I can't 
thing and I'll answer every single comment or question. But a lot of people have said to me in the past, why do you continue to answer people that say mean things? They're trolls. And they're not trolls. These are real people who have a real opinion about a topic. And I think that the first and most important thing is that everybody should have their ability to voice their opinion. It should come without hate or slander or bigotry or racism in a perfect world, but it doesn't always. And the reality of it is, is that when I think about it, I'm very careful to put a little bit of thought in before I answer. So number one is you got to take a breath before you answer. Number two is when you answer somebody on social media with something that may be a negative post, your answer will last forever. It doesn't go away. It lives in the internet world, social media world forever. And yes, I know you can delete it, but people could take a screenshot and it's captured forever. And so you really want to be mindful about the lesson you're trying to teach or the message you're trying to spread. And when people say things to me about my wife looking a certain way or acting a certain way or being a certain age, I try to really think about that as a teaching moment for young kids who are on social media more than anything. And I have found that if I stay professional and I stay direct and I never get snarky and I never sort of flip the attack on anybody, then it tends to land a little bit more effectively. And when you have somebody that comes after your business or comes after you, the best thing to do is to take a breath, think about your answer, be thoughtful about the people that are going to read it and put yourself in a professor mode of how you want to teach a lesson. So if people, you know, say something that isn't appropriate, it's okay to say things like, well, you know what, that doesn't feel right to me, or I don't appreciate that. And sometimes I end up being very successful in this particular instance of sort of setting them up to have them explain themselves. And when I do that, other people sort of jump in and take it from there. I think social media can be a dark place, but I also think it can be a beautiful place. It can be a place where you can award people grants for their business. You can help people pay for their college tuition. You can spread good news and good deeds about other people. And I don't run from the hate. I run at it, but I do it at a way that doesn't sort of manifest more. And a lot of people say to me, stop doing that. Ignore the trolls. And my response is, The best way to deal with the bully is to confront the bully, but not in violence, not in hate, not in criticism, but with some sort of softness and professionalism that almost deactivates the hate. Mm. And I watch it when I see people go after people in their own business. It's like every business makes mistakes. It's how you deal with it that really matters. And I think that's the lesson from my perspective. My gosh, that's just beautiful. Can you answer one of these more difficult questions for anybody in the celebrity limelight? Where do you gain this wisdom? Where do you gather it up? Where have you studied? What do you study? Deactivating hate, that's a spiritual thing. I mean, that is a choice you make to love your fellow human being. Where do you get that? Yeah, but I wasn't always that way. I wasn't always that way. And I talked earlier about my evolution and I learned that I just couldn't be that way. It would embarrass my parents. It would embarrass my employees. It would embarrass my friends. And I realized that I have a responsibility that's different. I used to complain about people attacking me and people saying things and I would get responses from loved ones. that would say, look, dude, you asked for this. You put yourself out there. And when you put yourself out there, 
you are open to this. How you deal with it really matters. But there is no playbook for how you digest criticism. I think for me, the thing that has been the best coping mechanism has been my own self-deprecation. And business owners and individuals can neutralize hate for their business, neutralize criticism of their business by either solving the criticism, addressing the criticism, but most importantly, owning it. And so when I make a mistake and somebody comes at me and I do something that I shouldn't have or say something that I shouldn't have, rather than trying to defend it or fight back, I wouldn't say, yeah, gosh, I really did F that up. I made a mistake and it was bad and I'm going to learn from it. And I'm human. And I put my pants on the same way and I cut the same way and I cry the same way and I'll learn from it and I'll get better. And when you tell somebody, I'm sorry, I'll get better, what do they say next? Right. What do they say next? What can they say? This is the perfect song, Steve Winwood, Higher Love. It boils down to having a higher love for yourself and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Ah, What can I say? I love this guy. Uh, MarcusLimonis.com. We have one more segment with him. Check out his website. You'll love it too. It's free. It's all free with Marcus. It's beautiful. He'll teach you. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. Are you paying too much for business insurance? Do you have critical gaps in your coverage? Entrepreneur Insurance can help you find out. In 6 out of 10 policies, business owners are paying too much for property, general liability, or workers' comp insurance. Entrepreneur Insurance can help you identify ways to save and any gaps in coverage. Head to entrepreneur.com slash insurance to complete the questionnaire and get a personalized quote. It's an easy way to find out if you're paying too much. Again, that's entrepreneur.com slash insurance. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. My friend Marcus Lemonis joining us. MarcusLemonis.com. L-O-M-L-E-M-O-I-S. I almost got it wrong myself. See that? That's why I keep doing that. <laughs> MarcusLemonis.com, his new show out in early 2022 will be called The Renovator which will air on HGTV. I hope that you guys will all watch it. I'll be sitting there on every episode. Marcus, this is our last segment together. This is where I ask the people that are on the show to be the, the professor. This is your time to do that great teaching of what are the like the four pillars of your life that you think that people that, even if they've been in business a long time, they just don't know what they don't know sometimes, and things that are you know unsaid or unspoken that we need to hear again. Can you give us two or three, four examples? I'll give you four for sure. I have more, but I'll give you four. I think the first is reminding ourselves why people are at the center of our business and whether that's employee recognition that needs to happen on a daily basis and it doesn't always have to have currency involved and how important recruiting and attracting new talent is. I spend 50% of my day trying to figure out how to find new people that'll make the businesses that I've invested in better. And I'm looking for people that I think will stand up to me, that will tell me when I'm wrong, that bring fresh ideas and fresh perspectives and make my business, their business, 
and make us all better. So you always want to hire better, smarter people and you want to recognize them more. I think the second is we need to have a better love affair with our financial statements and really understand what happens on that financial statement that can dictate the next decision you're going to make and understanding your balance sheet and understanding your margins and understanding your inventory. And a lot of people say to me, oh, I'm not good at that. That's not my thing. I don't want to do that. And I appreciate that. And it's good that you hire people that, that, that is their thing. But I need you to know your numbers to a point where you can be effective as a leader. I think the third thing is to recognize what you're good at, but more importantly, to recognize what you're not good at. Like, I'm not a very detail-oriented person. I need to surround myself with people that put up the guardrails and that understand where my deficiencies are because I told them what they are. And it's hard to be honest about what you're not good at. I've enjoyed sort of owning my deficiencies, but I also at the same time know what I'm good at and lean into those. And I think the last and maybe the most important thing is don't keep your family in the dark about your business. Uh, It should never be a surprise when things are good. It should never be a surprise when things are bad. And I've seen too many relationships take a wrong turn over what people perceive are secrets that were never intended to be secrets they maybe were born out of embarrassment. So if there's things going on in your business that you believe maybe aren't great, it's important that your family, the people that are the closest to you, that you share meals with and a roof with, they understand everything that's happening to the fullest extent so that if your business is going through some tough times, you don't have to compound it with your home life going through some tough times. I love and uh, I learned that as I got married over the last several years. And historically, I always sort of kept my information to myself. And I learned that it was always easier for me to share my problems and have two heads, three heads, four heads, solve that problem, particularly when my judgment was clouded Mm. or it was jaded and I was the problem. Mm. And there was a lot of times where we as business owners or we as entrepreneurs don't recognize that the problem exists, that's step one, but that you may be the problem. It's a hard thing to do to look in the mirror. And so those are the four things that I would ask for people to think about. All right, last question, and you have one minute. And one minute for the most dear thing in your entire life. Well, I'm going to answer that two ways inside of the minute. The thing that is most dear to me in my life uh, are the people that work with me because they, they, they go on this journey with me and I take them uh, twists and turns, lefts and rights, ups and downs, and they stay loyal. And uh, I would say that that, that the most important thing in my personal life is definitely my partner, my life partner, who always says to me that, you know, being with me takes a special kind of woman uh, because I make people crazy and I make her crazy, but she loves me for the things that I do right, which I appreciate. And uh, I think over time when we surround ourselves with good people at work and good people at home, their job is to tell us when we're not right. Their job is to make us better, not to tell us how wonderful we are all the time. And you have to open up your heart and open up your mind to people because as entrepreneurs, you know, it's a tough battle. Yeah. And uh, we like getting credit. We like getting good press. But that's not how life works. It's not always filled with good press. You're right. And you have to keep those loved ones close to you. That's Marcus Lemonis, everyone. Learn more about him at MarcusLemonis.com and the Marcus Lemonis Learning Center. It's all free. God bless you, my friend. I love you. I'll see you next time. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. Thank you, brother. Yep. This 
program is copyrighted by Entrepreneur Media Incorporated.